0: Welcome to our weekly podcast of Womankind Collective with me, Lou Hawkins-Thompson and me, Jinty Sheeran. Come and join us as we embark on a fun and educational journey, talking to experts and advocates on subjects that are often taboo. So go and get the kettle on and settle in for a chat and probably a lot of laughter along the way.
1: Our topic this week is chronic urinary tract infections or UTIs and we talked to Ella Tallon who contacted us after listening to an episode in series 6 where we briefly talked about chronic UTIs with Dr. Aziza Sese. Ella told us how this illness has changed her life and today she describes her own experience and what she has learned so far in the hope that it will enlighten and help others. In the book collective, we discuss chapter one, movers and shakers from our book club book. Femina by Janina Ramirez. This month's foodie collective theme is biscuits, and we have this week a delicious home baked. Well, I hope it is offering from Nigella's How to Be a Domestic Goddess, um, of which you and I need no lessons. Absolutely Lou, not. no, And we have a brand new and fun WI for you. Plus, find out how we got on with our, with last week's. And finally, we will have a quote for the week. Thank you. We've had some great comments this week, Lou, haven't we? We
0: certainly have. So the the lovely ladies at Menopause Diet Plan, we had such fun
1: chatting with you. Thank you for having us. Well, thank you for joining us. Oh, they were so good, weren't they? And my big bro, Neil, says, great to have you back again on a Sunday, on point as ever. Mm -hmm. And uh, Els, just move with Els.
0: Welcome back, gorgeous gals. Glad you had a fab wee break, albeit you were both on the go both missed but totes enjoyed first episode of series seven <laughs> loved best besties elizabeth and hillary from menopause diet plan have downloaded the sample of their book there's only one copy left on amazon mm. um but she's it's, it's defo one for the collection and mm. i know that the um hillary and elizabeth actually replied to ours and they're going to ask Amazon's principal. Well,
1: yes, definitely. You you can't can't buy it if it's not there, can you? Um, And lovely Aline Boblin says, Bravo, Lou. Aline. (laughs) She got it right. Perfectly enunciated. As always, a very enjoyable and educational podcast. I echo what Hilary and Elizabeth said constantly. Uh, Menopause is one single day in our life. Nutrition in menopause is rendered so much more complex as we are living in a world where ultra-processed foods dominate yeah they do and making health sustaining and informed choices is really challenging when as women we are still bogged down in responsibilities sandwich generation working until Mm. 60 I feel quite depressed now (laughs) with with no time to easily embrace that second spring and live at the pace our body would naturally take us more aligned with our natural circadian rhythm more focused on imparting our wisdom and knowledge connecting more to our true Yourselves one day, we'll be able to one day, (laughs) one day, and uh, Michelle0405
0: says, Great to have you back, ladies. Uh, We also
1: had some biscuit and tea chat on the Ooh, old Oh, yes, episode, yes, didn't we? We did. Lovely Mrs. Menne. Are you ready for the Mrs. Mennecalls show? Uh, she <laughs> says, tea or milk first? In days of yore, when only the posh folk could afford tea, high taxes in brackets, they drank from delicate porcelain cups. These were so thin that very hot water would crack them. Milk was the first to be put in the cup so that it reduced the temperature of the tea poured from a pot. Bone ash was added to make bone china, which was a a little stronger. I was so interested in that. It's it very, must be animal bones. It must be she's animal so bones. Clever, she's so clever. I know.
0: She is, isn't she? So, Aline, <laughs> done it again. You
1: have. You're on a roll. I
0: am. Um, she says, "I've ma- she's never managed to not eat the whole tube of Jaffa cakes either." <laughs> I mean, I'm. We're. You know.
1: I found my sister. <laughs> my sister from another mister. Definitely. <laughs> I th- t- t- Am I repeating myself when I tell you what Jack, my son, said? No. Oh, I think I am actually. Anyway, he he that said. That might be I didn't listen the first time. Yeah, no, time. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> the first fifteen but he, times. He ate, when he was about ten, he ate a whole packet of jaffa cakes, and I went into the room and I said, Jack, what have you done? You've eaten the whole packet. He said, Well, no one told me to stop. Well, do you know what? I'm with Jack. Yeah, I'm with Jack yeah, all the way. Definitely. Um, and Mrs. Menacles also says, Jaffa cake, cake or biscuit? It's a cake, cake. Cakes dry out as they age. Biscuits get soggy. She also said, "Sorry, it's the Men- Mrs. Benacles show, did they?" <laughs> yeah, there was it many is.
0: more replies from yes, Mrs. Benacles that we, we couldn't love go into. Mrs. We yeah. certainly we do. do.
1: Yeah. So, how's your week been, gents? Well, yeah, my my week. Remember in in um, series six, Lou, we spoke to the lovely um, Jasmine, a professional declutterer, and Ooh, our W.I. Yes. was to sort out our jumper drawer. Yes. Well, I've continued with the other drawers, Lou, and thanks to your recommendation, um, I've been selling all, small items on a certain website that you can uh, sell things on and Bintered. people buy them. And in just a few weeks, I looked at my balance, right, today, mm-hmm. 170 quid. And do you know what? This is it, isn't it? Yeah. Because you've got some, she's got some nice
0: bits, I tell you. I can only get an arm into them, but there's some (laughs) nice bits. There's
1: some nice bits. And you just, you know, it's easy, isn't it? It is easy. I did get a little bit confused over Easter and I had things... On and then I missed a few emails. I got a bit confused. Forgot to post a few bits. But it's it's definitely definitely worth doing. Um and in preparation for our chat with Ella this week, I thought I'd find out some stats on UTI. So just very quickly, because I know we've we're on a tight schedule today.
0: <laughs> I've told her many a time this morning. Oh, she has
1: she's <laughs> telling me off, folks, today. Um and um spookily, it's what um we got an email this morning from Caroline Criado Perez, it's her newsletter. She we don't know her personally. Um she's she He's also talking about UTIs um, this oh, this I didn't month. Read that yeah, so great it. minds think alike. Um, so, just a few facts, um, and this is not chronic UTIs. This is just your normal run of the mill UTIs, which are bad enough. They are the most common adult bacterial infection globally, affecting more than 150 million people each year worldwide. Um, 1.6. Billion, that's a billion with a B, is spent annually on UTI healthcare. That's just in the US alone. There are 100,000 hospital admissions for UTIs every year in the US. Although anyone can develop a UTI, they are 50 times more common in young adult women than in young adult men. A disparity that is put down to women's short urethra. We spoke to Mm Aziza Sesse about that, didn't we? Um, UTIs are female-dominated condition with 85% of all UTI diagnoses are in women. 60% of women over the age of 18 will suffer one or more UTIs and 30% of women will have a UTI uh, that have a UTI may have a recurrence within six to 12 months. Crikey. So it's, it's, it's high statistics. Yeah isn't it? it is high statistics and there's also been this week um Cochrane who've done um uh, a um some research into cranberry um because that's juice. what they tell you to drink it all oh, drink your cranberry. I never yeah. did. No, I don't like lemon oh, barley, which probably wasn't really good. Oh, no, that's a bit acidic, I, know. I would have thought. I know. <laughs> but I didn't realize what they've said in this uh, Cochrane research is cranberries contain this thing called proanthong, proanth. <laughs> oh, oh, God, God, God I'm PS, so glad. PACs. I'm so glad
0: you've done your research.
1: <laughs> PAC. is the big word. I have, I have, my dear, I have. Cranberries <laughs> contain packs for sure, substances that can prevent bacteria from sticking to the walls of the bladder. Basically, the results found that taking cranberry juice tablets or capsules reduced the number of UTIs in women with recurrent UTIs in children with UTIs and the people susceptible to UTIs following an infection such as bladder radiotherapy. However... UTIs did not reduce in elderly institutionalized men and women in adults uh, with neuromuscular bladder dysfunction and incomplete bladder emptying or in pregnant women so they didn't find enough information to determine if cranberry products are more or less affected compared with antibiotics um, and I think they recommend it as a prevention I think once you've got mm. it I don't think cranberry's gonna no, do much is it um, how was your week, Lou?
0: Well, you see, you've you've come up with all these amazing statistics. I'm going to talk scones. <laughs> Fine. I love a bit of scone talk. Scone, scone talk. Scone, scone talk. Um, so scones date back to the 1500s, okay? But is, is, this is the big jam or cream debate. We know which side of the fence we sit yes, on. Yes, as- we do. Girls from God's Own Country, Devon. Cream County. first. Yeah. Cream first, always. So, you know that this chat bot, the chat GPT bot. Yes. So, this is all the latest rage. We're not into it. We don't, I don't understand it, no. but you know. So, chat, this chat bot has been helping um, people with their homework and university um, graduate degrees and all that malarkey. Anyway, the question was put to chat, chat GBT, GPT. To settle the debate, well, oh. do you want to know what it is? I don't know, do I? So the AI chat pot bot pot <laughs> said it would opt for the Devon method, yes, of putting the clotted cream on the scone for first, followed by the jam on the top. It's enraged many a person, including Dawn French, Cornish. Yeah, it exactly. only enraged Cornish. It'll only enraged Cornish <laughs> because the the chat bot said that the cream is the butter. Oh, like we've always said, I know, I know Rachel and Annie are not going to be happy, but, you know,
1: it's tough, tough to You would not now. put spread butter on top of jam, would you? You would not, unless you came from Cornwall. No. <laughs> anyway. Nice bit of research, <laughs> Yeah, thank
0: you. You know, I'm cutting edge here. You're, oh, you're yes. doing all the scientific research. I'm on the food. <laughs> and I just want to give a really big shout out to this lady this week called Lillian Ipp from australia i don't know if you've heard what happened to lillian this week so this uh, so lillian went on a little road trip in australia alone just going to visit some relatives got lost for five days oh my god do you know what she survived on what the 48 year old woman survived on god knows leaves wine and lollies (laughs) because she was taking some wine to visit these her friends and family and she's taking some lollies for the kids. She was found and very happy. And I felt I felt really seen with Lily in it. I think yeah. I've been, you know, working my way towards if I was ever stranded for five days in the in the bush. That's what you've been preparing yourself your whole life. My for... Whole life has been prepared. So she is safe, she is well. She was slightly dehydrated, um, but all all good. But they were quite, I think the rescue team were quite um quite happy that she'd uh, had some wine to drink
1: yeah you'd instead of lollies you'd be having the colin the caterpillars wouldn't you you'd have the load of marks and spencers yeah, yeah. or japper cakes yeah or japper cakes they might melt over there though well they might yeah
0: so so that was my very That's scientific researched week lillian ip who survived for five days on wine and lollies Wine and lollies and scones. And
1: scones. Even, even better. You, know, you get it all here. You do. And Lou, we've been discussing this morning, haven't we, the news this week that the lovely Fiona Clark and Diane Brink um, and Vikram um, from Menopause Clinic London have um, begun um, a new charity. They have. Uh, the charity is called the menopause research and education fund. Um, and they their mission is to fund research into menopause, fund education for health professionals, and ensure women have access to accurate and evidence-based information. Now they need a few quid they need a few donations to set up as a charitable as a charitable fund. Um, so you and I are kind of on the lookout for we're gonna do stuff. We're gonna do stuff. We're gonna so, get stuff done. Yeah. We, 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 we are. <laughs> so we want you. We'll come to our WI later, but we want some WI ideas. What can we do? What would you give money to, to see us, us do? To see us do?
0: And please don't we're say go proud. off air, because <laughs> <laughs> no. that's not going to happen. No, we we got too much we, to say. <laughs> we haven't finished yet. <laughs> we've, we've only just started. Only and just... We're only on series seven. <laughs> sleeves rolled up <laughs> yeah, ready for it <laughs> and just know I'm on the
1: testosterone
0: no there's no stopping me
1: now <laughs> the bloody isn't it? I've been told off about four times already this morning so get on to that and let us know please
0: so our guest today after listening to an episode in series six where we touched on chronic urinary tract infections UTIs We were contacted by Ella Tallinn, who told us this illness had changed her life and wondered if it might help others if she described her own experience and what she has learned
1: so far. Ella is 50 years old and a single mum to a teenage son. She lives in Linlithgow, Scotland, but still calls Oxford her home. She is an ex-professional gardener and a research scientist at Edinburgh University. At the end of January 2021, after a long period of
0: intense stress during the pandemic, Ella began to feel the burning sensations of an acute UTI. By the next day, it was extremely painful when urinating, and as soon as she had finished, she felt the desperate need to go again, though she did not. Ella also had visible blood in her urine. She was given a seven-day course of antibiotics. Yet, within 24 hours after the treatment had ended, the infection returned, with, a,
1: with which then developed into. Chronic embedded UTI. Two years on, the infection remains remarkably untouched by treatments. Ella says she finds it difficult to think positively about her future. She rarely has a moment that she is not in debilitating pain. It has impacted all aspects of her life and is on long-term sick leave from her job in academia. She is also currently in treatment with a specialist clinic in Harley Street, where they battle to find an effective treatment that Ella can tolerate. And she joins us today to help us understand the significance of this diagnosis. Welcome, Ella. Hello. Nice to meet you. Yes, lovely to meet you. Thank you for getting in touch. We really appreciate it. Um, So, Ella, can we start right back in um, January 2021? Um, Take us back to how the, the acute UTI began
2: yeah i i really wanted to talk about the beginning particularly i thought it's really important to unpack this bit and so it started um after i'd had a weekend away um with my boyfriend we would had quite a lot of sex that weekend as we usually did Mm -hmm. um and i got home on sunday night to a bit of a family drama and actually i'd forgotten about this until recently but it it really took all my attention. That Sunday night, I did develop um, the beginnings of an acute UTI, um, but I completely ignored it because there was all this other stuff going on. And I think I went to bed that night and I thought, okay, this I can just ignore this. I'm going to go to sleep. I woke up the next day and I think it had sort of subsided a bit. And I was incredibly busy, as I said, there was this drama going on. I think I decided to, the, the bathroom ceiling was flaking and I thought, I can't bear this anymore. I've got to, I've got to deal with that bathroom ceiling. I was working really hard. I think my son was at home and I actually ignored it for four days. And then on that fourth night, it was quite late at night. Um, I was getting ready for bed. And it suddenly came on really strong. I have never felt anything like this. It was the worst UTI that I've ever had. It was extremely painful going for a wee. And that's when I saw the visible blood in my urine. I thought, that doesn't feel, that really doesn't feel okay.
1: That's quite frightening. I would. Yeah, it was,
2: it was red, you know. Wow. It was bright red, Um, but it was really late at night. And I just thought, well, I, I can't really do anything about this now. So I just, I just went to bed and tried to sleep. And I slept really badly, and I did promise myself tomorrow I will get an emergency appointment because that's not that's not okay. Yeah. So I did that, and I got an emergency appointment with my GP. And he did take it, you know, seriously. I think the visible blood uh, made him really pay attention, and he gave me yeah the seven day course of quite a strong antibiotic. And I did notice it took, it took quite a while to go. I think in the past, you know, even within the 21st twenty first 24 hours of taking the antibiotic, I'd notice it was going. Yeah. But this was really three days in before it started to ease off. Um, and then it did get better, you know, day five, day six, I was feeling back to normal. And I have to say, all during this time, I was you know scraping that blimming ceiling and not taking any rest at all nice. you know just doing and i remember i was absolutely exhausted i was completely exhausted and just not giving myself any space at all and then yeah 24 hours later i started to feel it again and it felt different this time it was a sort of burning higher up in my in my bladder Oh, that's and,
1: interesting yeah, yeah it felt, I, it felt sort of
2: different moved. it felt different but it, it was the same I knew it was the same thing and yeah and I was I was really starting to get worried at that at that point
1: yeah and because you, you talk about not not um, resting enough um and do you think cause you told us you believe what happened in in this crucial early part you wished you'd known and you looked after yourself more um yeah, tell us a bit more about this. Do you, do you think that rest would have been crucial, that rest would have helped you?
2: Yeah, I mean, looking back, I think there were a number of things that might have helped. And, you know, I'll never know, of course, yeah. for sure. But I think the four-day period where I didn't do anything was was critical. And, yeah, I didn't rest. I was exhausted the whole time I was on the antibiotics. It's interesting, because I actually had a friend... Who sent me through some printed sheets from a charity called QTIC.co.uk and they are one of the charities for chronic UTI, and I just looked at these sheets. You know, they should printed out sheets, yeah. from and I just thought, what the what the hell's that? That's yeah. got nothing to do with me. That's just terrifying. This that's not what's going on here, and I completely ignored them. Yeah, um, but something went in, and I went back to my GP at the beginning of the next week. And I think this was another critical moment because he said to me, oh, well, you know, some people need two courses of antibiotics, so I, I can give you more antibiotics. And I was very much in this state of mind where I knew that, you know, antibiotics are not really good for you. We shouldn't be taking antibiotics Oh, you know, maybe it's just, you know, dysbiosis in the bladder and I need to let it all balance. And so I kind of ummed and erred and said, mm, maybe we could see how it goes. And he said, oh, I completely understand. You know, that's fine. Let's just see how it goes for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And that I think was another error. Yeah, I didn't again. I just didn't know. So we waited to see how it went for three weeks and it, it sort of it didn't it didn't get I was waiting for it to get better. You mm-hmm. know, I just, this is this has got to go away. My GP was like, yeah, it might just go away. so you know and i was taking some kind of natural herb thing hoping that was going to help as well and then at the end of that three weeks again it was another weekend and it just suddenly surged up and i went into a complete panic i thought this isn't going away no and i went back to those sheets that i dismissed and looked at them and i just thought oh my god maybe this is me maybe this is what's happening and now i've left it it's been a you know a month now Um, almost panic almost panic sort of
1: sets in yeah
2: and i should say actually my gp had got me to do to give drop off some urine samples early on even in those first few days you know when i first contacted him i dropped one off then when i had visible blood in my urine and after i'd had the antibiotic treatment he got me to do another one Um, and then i did another one on that morning after the three weeks I saw a different GP and she just said to me, look, your test results have actually all come back negative, we're not finding anything going on here. The dipstick tests had been positive, but the bacterial cultures had shown nothing, Mm. you know, even with visible bloods in my urine when it was really serious. But she said, but we know this sometimes happens, so I will give you more antibiotics. So I took another week, it did nothing. Um, by this time I was really, you know, panicking.
0: Can we talk about the pain of the UTI as well and how that actually impacts on your life, Ella? Yeah, well the,
2: it's, it's so hard to, to describe the pain really. And and because pain comes in different flavors Mm. um, and some of it sometimes feels okay. And then sometimes it doesn't. And this is a pain that does not feel okay. Um, and actually i I stole this description from somebody else because i thought it was like uh, you know a quite helpful sort of analogy (laughs) but um, imagine your bladder is being grated raw it's being grated so it's completely raw and then someone's coming in they're rubbing hot the hottest fieriest chili pepper into your red raw bladder that's how much it burns and Mm -hmm. it burns all the time and it, it it sort of it's it relentlessly dominates my attention. So it's really difficult to focus on other things. No, no painkillers, no normal painkillers touch it. Um Codeine, I find codeine does dial it down a bit, but we're then we're into the opiate territory and we all know that that's not any kind of helpful long-term solution, no. just won't go there. Mm. Um, And, you know, people have suggested to me sometimes, oh, but surely you get, you know, you've had the pain for so long, surely you get used to it. (laughs) Um, And, you know, no, no, I I don't get used to that level of pain. It's always there. And, you know, it's it's incredibly, incredibly hard.
1: Yeah. And and pain is it's one of those things. It's where it is also isn't it like a wrist pain or a joint pain you can you could sort of rest at some point or not use you cannot not use all no. that area it's it's there it's constantly being used isn't yeah. it it's, yeah. there's there's as a woman
2: there's nothing I can do to control right. it there's not a single thing I can do that will elite No, you know that so I feel like I have no control over it yeah I'm gonna kind of go oh well, just you know, raise my leg and it will ease off. I mean, the only thing I find, so sitting is very uncomfortable for long periods. I'm sort of semi-reclined at the moment. Mm. Um, So I spend the majority of my life lying down now. Mm. Um, I I also have fatigue that comes with the illness and I I think people don't understand I'm actually ill all all the time Mm. now. It's like, you know, if you have tonsillitis, that's a bacterial infection in your tonsils you feel worn out because your body's trying to fight this infection. Well, it's, it's the same, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm kind of, you know, alert and I can get up and I can move around, but I'm, I'm exhausted. So, you know, I, I mean, I used to be a really active person. I was quite into, you know, cycling and swimming and going out in the mountains for a long walk and, uh, you know, I worked hard, I traveled lots and, you know, all of these things have stopped the but whole I th- lot.
0: I think because of your body, you're fighting that infection, your pain, the levels of pain. It is Pain's exhausting it's exhausting Yeah, absolutely, without everything else going on in your body. did you, Have you managed to access a specialist?
2: Um, so, yeah, so um, after I was to sort of pick up on the story again, um, I, I kind of realised I was in a, in a cul-de-sac, with with the you know the gps up here you know it's not their fault it's just that the next step for them in their diagnostic route is to send me for a cystoscopy and i knew from the QTIC pages that that was a route to being diagnosed with something called interstitial cystitis and i knew i had an infection so my gp was already at that point saying look you know your test results are coming back negative you don't have an infection you know, we've done that many now, you don't have an infection. And I remember a phone call where I was going, saying to him, you know, I know I do. And he was saying, no, you don't. And I was like, yes, I do. I "I I mean,
1: Ella, this goes back to, I don't know whether, all last series when we were doing rebel bodies, the book is just this thing. If the doctors don't know, if they can't tell you an answer, then you must be wrong rather than saying, I don't know. And I will go and find out. It must be you. You must be, you know, not you specifically, but the patient. You must be making it up. It must be in your head. And this is why women have been labelled hysterical, because a lot of these things can't be seen. I mean, to look at you now, you look fantastic sat there in your room. Nobody would know, would they? It's down to you to tell them and them to bloody well believe believe you.
2: Yeah, And it's really frightening, you know, when you're being told by a medical professional that you feel you, you should be able to trust. Yeah. Um, but I, I knew I did have this sort of information in hand and I thought I have to. So I, I knew at that point I've, I've got to go to the to the specialists and I didn't you know, I was a bit of so I've never I'd never done anything like that before. So I called them up and I called the first one on the. Well, I, I called I called a guy that was he was on the cutic list. And he was one that this friend who'd passed me this information, she had gone to him. And this was Professor Kular, who's very good. He focuses quite a lot on antihistamines and the role that they play in inflammation. But I knew that he did also, you know, treat uh, chronic UTI. So I went to see him and he was great. Um, He does this thing. So he does an ultrasound of the bladder Um, And this is great because they actually you get to see your bladder and he can measure um, parts of it and actually see, yes, that is inflamed. Mm. I can see that's inflamed, but it's a a non-invasive process. So that's really good. And he did a dipstick test and he listened to my story and he said, you do. You've got a you've got a chronic UTI.
1: How did that feel when he actually said that? Did you feel quite relieved or even more frightened?
2: I, I no, I felt well, a sort of bit of both yeah. really. and I also I knew that um that these specialists, although, you know, they know what they're doing and they are confident in their research and their areas, they're sort of working on the edges of the mainstream so that their diagnosis might still be disputed by other medical professionals. So it was a sort of diagnosis, a sort of incremental diagnosis. So from him, that was a good start. Um, my GP was not really particularly happy with that diagnosis alone. He wanted me to see a consultant urologist. So I actually had to go to a urologist up up here just to sort of get that yeah. done. Yeah. A I, second I, opinion. I went privately because there just wasn't time, I, well I knew there wasn't time, and I th- also because I thought I am going to see a woman, I just, I'm, I just don't want to have another man tell me you don't have an infection. Mm-hmm. So, and, and fortunately for me, she didn't want to do any tests, she said I've heard all this before, um, I think you've got a chronic bladder infection um, and you do need to see specialists And so she wrote that so i was very very lucky to have that so that helped a lot yeah um i did find with professor kula that because you see he uses a lab as well um, to also try to find the bacteria and his lab does a more extended test than the nhs one but they still didn't find any bacteria so i kind of fell off the edge of his treatment protocol because i think the way he treats, he, he likes to see those bacteria. Um, right. and they just weren't showing up in his tests either. So then I went to another specialist, um, Dr. Ali, who's now stopped his private practice. Um, and he uses another lab with another type of test process and hit, that lab also could not find bacteria. So I was kind of getting more and more Desperate, like oh god, you know they can't, you know even the specialists can't find anything. Absolutely frustrating for you as well. Yeah, and I just felt like oh I've sort of got a diagnosis, but maybe there is an issue. Um, And then I just thought right, I've got to go to you know Professor Malone Lee's clinic, and I'd read about them and I knew that they were sort of the central specialists Mm -hmm. really in this area. Is
0: this in Harley Street as it's well, Harley yeah. Street, okay,
2: Harley Street Clinic, yeah. yeah. And I knew their test method didn't rely on finding the bacteria, so um, I went there, I had the appointment, they did the test, and I was I was sitting there saying, Oh, well, you know, and you might find my results look like I don't have a because uh, you've done it all before, you, <laughs> yes. you were justifying yourself, <laughs> yeah. weren't you? No, I was just sort of preparing them, like, yeah, you know, yeah. um and you know my results came back they count these two types of cells epithelial cells and white blood cells to measure for inflammation and they got they get your results in the consultation and they came in and she said right okay you've got really high cell counts you have definitely got a chronic uti Mm -hmm. Uh, your, your story is absolutely typical of what we hear and i'm not in any doubt that that's what you have so that actually felt for me like the most solid yeah. um, diagnosis, because everything that she was doing was fitting, you know, their model of chronic UTI. So I think that um, you know, that, that, that was when I started to feel more confident mm. ab- about that.: yeah. Because you've got to feel confident that the person that's
1: treating you knows what they're looking at you've got the correct diagnosis in the first place if you're not confident in that and you know your own body then yeah I know several people that have done that with other things and they're taking something and they're thinking well I'm just trying this I know it's not going to work (laughs) but they kind of almost got to go through those those you know those step through those hoops before they get to where the point that they need to be
0: so Ella, what's your treatment plan now what does your treatment plan look like now you've had those results from harley
2: street um yeah so um so on the treatment i just maybe say um a bit about chronic uti and what it is because it will help understand why the testing yeah and also the way that the way that it gets treated so what's happening in the body is that the bacteria are um, moving up inside the bladder and then when they get there um, uh, they they embed themselves in some in some cases they they start to embed themselves in the wall of the bladder or they hide under biofilms and they persist so they're not out in the urine they're they're in the walls right but the body still recognizes that they're there and is trying to attack them and you know get rid of them and that's why there's still pain there's inflammation but the immune system can't get to them the antibiotics can't get to them and if you do a urine test they're not actually in
1: in the urine wow that's fascinating
2: that it really is fascinating yeah.
1: it's so simple in in when you explain it like that isn't it And it makes sense. Yeah,
2: there's lots of love on the uh, charity websites. There's lots of really nice um, sort of drawn diagrams that show it in a little bit more detail. But that's basically um, what's going on. And so because because the bacteria are, are embedded in in the walls of the bladder and they come out sometimes and move around, what you have to have is antibiotic in the bladder all the time over a very long period of time and that's why the specialists and pretty much all specialists treat with long-term high-dose antibiotic so really when you get the diagnosis it's actually it's it's good because you know but then it's scary because you're faced with this actually quite frightening treatment protocol Mm -hmm. you know people are worried about taking antibiotics for a week well now you're looking at taking antibiotics for a year two years maybe five years maybe always and And this
1: goes right back to your gp appointment doesn't it where you thought oh i don't know you know antibiotics aren't good for me i'll I'll see how it goes in three weeks later yeah it's it's such a good point because i think it might make people think when they see their gps
2: it's yeah as my mum would say a stitch in time saves nine yes (laughs) do it do it at the start yeah yeah um, you know it's not so bad but you know taking antibiotics like this for a very long period is it's hardcore you know yeah. and i was scared because i just my body's not i you know i'm not i'm not sort of a fragile person but i don't i'd say my body's not hugely tolerant of medication generally yeah. so i thought oh i don't know you know what's going to happen um so I anyway I just thought well I'm gonna have to do it so I they got me started on an antibiotic called um, Cefalexin and um, and a urinary um, disinfectant called hiprex which is a really important medicine to to know about actually because some people can do very well just on hiprex um, so yeah so and actually GPS I think can prescribe it as well. So um, what does that do it?
1: Does it do what it literally what it says on the tin? Is it a urine um, disinfectant kind of yeah. thing? <laughs>
2: it well, I don't not quite sure how it works, but when when it it it, it comes through into the bladder and when it arrives there it turns into formaldehyde of all things. Wow. Yeah. And it's, it's an anti antimicrobial. So it's not an antibacterial, it's an antimicrobial and it's quite strong and it basically kills everything. Um, so it's indiscriminate, uh, unlike antibiotics, which will focus on one type of mm. uh, bacteria or another. This, this is just sort of across the board. Mm. The problem with it is it's very, very acidic and my stomach could not handle it now in those early days of treatment i was determined to sort of power through i i'm going to do this no matter what and i kept taking it and taking it and taking it and my stomach was getting more and more sore and eventually i thought you know i'm not eating properly i'm losing weight this can't go on and the clinic said right stop taking the hip rex because that's probably it and i did that but my stomach did not get better. So then they said, stop taking the antibiotic. Mm. And I was like, oh no. Um, so I stopped taking that and I still didn't get better. And this is when my GP actually swung into action because he diagnosed me with helicobacter. So now I've got a stomach infection. And then like, yeah, my GP, he, he was very good. He treated me for the helicobacter and I did get better from that. But in that process I lost so much weight. I was I mean, I'm about five nine and I was down to about eight stone, something like oh,
1: that. Wow.
2: Uh, so I really wasn't well. Um, but through that process I did realise that it's not the antibiotic that's affecting my stomach, because I've tolerated these other things I'd had to take to yeah. the stomach infection. Um So, so I was back on the kefalexin after that. And I sort of had a slightly better period because I was on the kefalexin. I didn't, I didn't feel better, but the counts that Harley street measure, the epithelial cells and the white blood cells were coming down. And they say that often your counts will come down first and then your symptoms will resolve later. Mm -hmm. So I was starting to feel optimistic and that summer summer 2022 i decided you know i've i've got to try going back to work i've never been off work this long this is not sustainable you know i need to give it a shot and my work were were great you mm-hmm. know they were really supportive and uh tried their best to kind of make it doable for me in every way that they could um and it went okay at first but i think gradually the, the stress built it was just taking more energy than i had i was sort of working lying down a lot and things but it just the mental drain of trying to fit that in with everything else that was going on um, was really difficult and it was taking a toll on my body mm-hmm. and i started to feel worse and my counts started going up ah. again and the clinic said well you should be able to work so we'll just introduce some more antibiotic um, and they tried me on three extra additional ones and my stomach just didn't tolerate them and I again I started to get really scared like am I where's this going now Mm. and they said oh look you know what you can do is up the kefalexin so I did that so I was sort of maxing out on kefalexin working worrying a lot about where it was all going actually feeling pretty dreadful and then suddenly I developed this additional side effect which was this neurological tingling in my my legs, my lower legs and my feet. And I knew because I'd been on the support charity support groups that this um, side effect was really bad and was potentially going to stop me from taking the antibiotic I was on and potentially all antibiotics. Oh gosh. Um, And yeah, I got in touch with the clinic and they said, yeah, you will have to stop the kefalexin and i just had this feeling deep inside i just thought i just don't think my body can can do this treatment and i just really hit um, a real low point Mm. Um, at that point i just i thought the treatment's not working i can't function i can't work my life is hell and i just thought there's just no way out of this i i'm just not going to get out of this Mm.
1: and so that was a Um, the tingling that is a a side effect of the antibiotics it's not necessarily part of the chronic UTI but it's common it's a common side effect okay
2: I think it's common well I don't know how common it is but it does happen to people when they've been on them long term I think it's probably rare in short-term use Um, but it's a known they, they they know about this at the clinic
1: and does it stop when you come off the antibiotic it, or
2: yeah, carry yeah it did it did yeah. initially yeah it did um and you know and i did find that you know i have found that i um have tried another couple i took a long break from antibiotics and i really had to work on my men- start working on my mental health yeah um and i have tried another couple since then and yes the, the tingling just comes back at the moment so um, I'm having to sort of think about things differently um, at the moment.
1: So you mentioned, yeah, you're talking of doing things differently and you mentioned your mental health. And so it's it can't not affect your mental health, can it? I mean, you talk there about just what can I do just wanting to give up because sometimes there is no hope or you don't think there's any hope do you so how how has it affected your mental health and um what have you what have you done i mean you mentioned to us before about bit of meditation and yeah. yoga um and things like that can you talk us through because i think that'd be hugely helpful
2: yeah i mean i think that so there's a known connection it's it's known that people with chronic uti suffer with mental health problems Um, you know, that's, I mean, not everybody does, but, you know, a lot of people do, um, and you know, and actually there is a direct connection between stress and, uh, and infection, which is quite interesting. Um, but so I think my, my mental health, um, declined in stages, you know, as I've kind of talked through, I was sort of getting one hit and then another and then another, and it just, Mm -hmm. I was constantly trying to sort of go oh well you know I'll just do this and then it'll be you know then it'll be okay or you know I'll do this and then it will be okay Um, uh, and you know every time it wasn't okay my hope would just sort of get crushed Um, and I think there's just a relentless you know dealing with the pain um, dealing with doctors that are not kind of convinced of really what's going on and knowing that you're just falling outside of you know normal medical practice is just frightening um you know bearing in mind that i was paying for to go to the clinic and that Mm. it was very expensive um as well and and i think just generally socially people don't know what it is Mm. it's invisible like you were saying it doesn't you can't see it so there's like there's a lot of gaslighting yeah um, inadvertent yeah, but nevertheless, people think, "Oh, well, it's just a just a bit of cystitis," you know, um, you know. So you're up against this absolute wall of incomprehension, mm, and it's yeah. it's very frightening. Um, you know, you're sort of being driven mad by pain and fatigue, and people are doubting you. It's yes. just it's it's horrible, um, and you also know that the only treatment protocol available is difficult; it's potentially harmful. You might not be able to manage it. It might not work, um, and and for me also, you know, the rela- that relationship I'd been in um, ended in the beginning of twenty twenty two because sex was a total no go. I mean, mm. can you imagine? It's oh, it's not that it's not that you know, it's not that you can't. It's just that the pain is excruciating. Yeah, yeah. It's just not worth it, you know. Yeah. Um, so socially, I was in. Uh, quite a poor condition but I did have things on my side so prior to this UTI I'd had um, a sort of fatigue condition which chronic fatigue Mm. Um, uh, and that had been a while back but I'd learned during that time about how about the mind-body connection and how you you kind of it's like they explain it uh, there's a clinic called the optimum health clinic who i went to for for the chronic fatigue and they're brilliant um and they would explain it like you've got a boat and imagine you're a boat that's your health your well-being and everything all you know all the kind of physical and mental burdens are like burdens in this boat you know they're like loads in the boat eventually it sinks and they kind of taught me how all your energy essentially comes from one place you know and so if you're expending loads of energy on stress and sort of you know emotional stuff upheaval fear um then you've got less energy for healing you know and your, your immune system actually has less energy to function it's dragging you down so there was some real good news there for me actually because I thought well I can do something about the psychological side of that that's in my court that ball yeah. you know and I I was meditating before I had um the chronic UTI and suddenly this came became massively important to me because it was a space I could go to where I sort of felt safe it was very calm and I have, I had this incredible, I still have her in my life actually, um, uh, a mindfulness chaplain at the university and she taught, you know, this, she took these um, mindfulness Zoom drop-ins um, which I would go to and she, she basically taught me how to start using mindfulness meditation to cope with the pain yeah. and the illness and basically I found that it can help you start to cope with the pain. So instead of trying to get away from the pain, yeah. start approaching it with curiosity and sort of saying, oh, what is this pain and how does it feel? And it enables you to sort of coexist with it yeah. and not be so frightened by it. Yeah. Um, it also helps you to see thoughts as thoughts. So you look at your thoughts, all these frightening thoughts, and you just think, well, this isn't, these thoughts aren't real. They are just thoughts and I don't have to buy into them or believe them. And on an even deeper level than that, you know, I could say that, oh, my life is ruined. But in another way, I could also say, well, this is my life. This is my only experience. It's very different to how it used to be. And I'm going to get interested in what that's like now.
0: Yeah, I le- yeah. that's such I a think-
2: positive approach Yeah,
0: to have. So you're, the, I love the, the chaplain, the healing, was it the healing yeah, chaplain?
1: The mindfulness, mindfulness chaplain.
0: chaplain. So is she part of your support team that you have now? Because you have a herbalist as well, don't you?
2: Yeah, um, so I have a herbalist. I, I, I saw that chaplain for a long time. She suggested that I find a counsellor. So I also go and see a counsellor. And I also have um, a CPN, community psychiatric nurse that I see and that's with you know through the NHS and they all do slightly different things for me and I think that what I found is there isn't one place that I can, can there's no one place that's going to kind of just take me and look after me and heal me, I have to sort of work out what each individual sort of speci- specialist or yeah. you know professional can offer me and and then sort of bolt it together. So it's like a sort of um it's like a network of, of support. Yeah. But I am in the middle of that and I am the sort of the nexus of that and I'm responsible for knowing who to go to for each different thing. Which is powerful
1: in itself, isn't it? It puts you on in the control seat again. Yeah. yeah. Um and I love that there's a couple of things I just pick up on from what you said earlier ella one one is the distraction that you i can see that you've done right from the beginning until you your meditation and mindfulness that even the distraction in the first four days it'll sort itself out but this is important the ceiling is important in my bathroom (laughs) it's it's anything isn't it just it stems from anything Mm -hmm. just to not deal with with the actual issue and I think we're we're all we all can can be like that and I I love the way you sort of say it's recognizing Right, I'm not there where I thought I'd be or where I want to be or where I really would like to be but where am I right now what what Mm. what can I do and that's what you're doing is dealing with what you have right now isn't it yeah so important it's such a it's such a a big step to take and that one that I don't think many people actually find but I think it's one of the only steps to yeah. happiness uh, yeah, happiness really you're Inco- a
0: rabbit hole aren't yeah, you and yeah you're, you're always chasing otherwise yeah. aren't
1: you there's always another I'll just get this bathroom done I'll just finish these antibiotics <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll just, just try just, I'll just, just go back just, to work just. when I go back to work it will be fine yeah. there's always something isn't there yeah. whereas actually if you sit back and okay no this is this is where I am the other thing I loved Ella is this um like Lou said this sort of bringing you the way you've sort of uh, advocated for yourself and brought everyone bolted everyone together um you're getting that nurturing that you didn't get from your GP or from your um a partner maybe or family that you have around you I know um Ella's told us that you sort of moved away from your home, don't you? You don't really have a lot of um, that family sort of network, which is difficult. So that this sort of nurturing comes from, which we all need. We all need anyway. But when we're ill,
2: it's your tribe,
1: isn't it? They're they're the ones that are
0: going to look after you.
1: Yeah. And somebody just saying, right, this is what we can do. and, And you can do it. You're in control. Yeah, It's a powerful thing, isn't it?
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, my meditate, I meditate regularly with, you know, a couple of groups of people and they're really important to me. Yeah. My herbalist has been amazing emotionally. Uh, You know, when I was at that low point and I didn't know where to turn, um, she was the one that scraped me off the floor and said, I can, I can help to treat you with, with herbs and we can kind of keep this stable and you know she talked to me a lot and you know she was that person that was there at at the time and you're talking about the sort of social side of things as well and i because i knew that i actually read in professor malone lee um wrote an amazing book and he 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 died actually at the beginning of 22 which Mm. was very sad but luckily he managed to get all his work out in this book and he says in there you know just a couple of lines but people do better with support his patients with support and I and I, I knew this and I thought oh no I'm in this I'm, I'm ill and I'm vulnerable and I really don't have a great yeah. support network socially but again that's something I realised I could do something about that and it wasn't going to be easy from being ill on the sofa but Zoom is great you know yeah. we're here now yeah. um, one of the positive um legacies of the um, pandemic (laughs) definitely (laughs) definitely yeah you know and i've connected with a really amazing friend from the past who's over in istanbul and he gives me loads of support and i've also i found an amazing um friend who also has chronic uti and we've got to know each other really well and she's like an incredible support and she's been supporting me in getting to do this podcast actually oh, she's brilliant. Oh, brilliant well you've probably been oh. supporting
0: her as well so it's always a two-way street isn't it with friendship
1: yeah, yeah. that's great what's she called Perhaps Shona she... Over. thank you Shona yeah thank you
0: <laughs> so I mean you really want to raise awareness of UTIs don't you chronic UTIs and and talking about it and raising awareness what else can can we be doing to really raise some more
2: awareness do you feel um well you know there's there, there are the charities i mentioned earlier and they are do that's one of their sort of primary sort of missions is really to to get word out and they're doing amazing work um both trying to um you know petition governments and you know write letters they're working to try to change the NICE guidelines and we need to get the sign guidelines in Scotland changed as well mm-hmm. um, to start recognising chronic QTI properly. I say properly because it's sort of semi-recognised. There have been steps. People know it exists, but it's not, you know, and it's moving very slowly. So um, I think we just all need to, you know, things like this, We just we just need to get it into the public awareness because you know at the moment people don't talk about it it's kind yeah. of you know, shameful and you know I for ages I would meet people I'd go I'd say oh well, I'm ill and blah 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 and I wouldn't say what it was mm. because yeah. I was sort of embarrassed you know yeah. and then I thought well even when I say they'll be like well that doesn't sound particularly bad yeah so that's really I, that's what we need to change definitely I Sorry,
1: I was just going to say. I, th- I think you're right. I think, you'd like like a lot of things, we talk about menopause a lot and and um, um, vaginal atrophy and and all those um, uh, symptoms. It's so important that we that we use the right language for one thing. Use the right language. Change
0: the narrative around it as well
1: what about new treatments are there anything new that that's that you know about that's you know you've talked about what we've what they're going to what they're trying to do for awareness and things is there any new treatments that are on that that being trialed or anything
2: well you know there i mean there is research happening and of course there isn't nearly as much as there should be and you know i'm going to say the words gender health gap you there just isn't the funding that there should be for this but there is some and um I I think it's really important as a matter of you know mental health to 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 find out about this and, personally, I found it really useful, so there is information on both the QTIC pages on and on the chronic UTI info pages. um, about um, things like installations so installations is another way of treating it, and this is where they actually pump. Um, a liquid antibiotic directly into the bladder, which as you can imagine is good because it gets it to the right place, mm. doesn't work so well because you can't keep it in there for very long. And then you've got to wee it out, you see, that's the problem. But there is, for an example, a, a new technology which is um, being developed called bubble encapsulation. Um, mm. And now I can't kind of explain all the ins and outs of it, but um, My understanding is, is that the antibiotic is held in these tiny, tiny bubbles and when they kind of pump it into the bladder, they somehow get these bubbles to penetrate into the walls of the bladder. Don't ask me how that works. But once they're in there, the bubbles then burst and the antibiotic is released within the bladder wall. And initial tests show that this could be really, really effective. Um, and I don't know where this company are at. Are they called Atocap? Um, I don't know where they're at with their their testing. But you know that's just one example. And there is a lot of other research going into trying to understand the condition, trying to get better tests made, um, and trying to get better treatments going. Yeah. So I think it's 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 a way for us to kind of nourish our hope. And I think that's extremely important when you're yeah. ill definitely Um, like this and i just want to say as well there's a there's a group at the ucl a really good research group called the bladder infection and immunity group or biig um, in the department of renal medicine and they they've started doing these christmas lectures um and they did the first one last christmas um where they they present a lot of you know recent research in the area and that's i went last year you know you can go on zoom and that's Mm. really good to sort of hear about what's what's going on
1: and of course like as you say it's much more common in women isn't it i think it's a a huge
2: men do get it i think it's about one in eight yeah um and but also um you know uh children get it as well which is awful you know really really terrible um so nobody's nobody's (laughs) free immune that's it no, no i know my
1: my mum had um, i used to take my mum every month for the installations and and that yeah. in itself was quite it helped but for an older person as well it was quite intrusive for her and it was very very difficult and it was quite painful for her and and as you say she had to lay there for ages because she couldn't go for a week because obviously it all just yeah. comes out and that in itself holding anything in was, was difficult so yeah. it it would be good if they could move on um That's right. a bit from there,
2: yeah, and you know it's one of those things where you just think it should be it should be treatable yeah. this is this is not some you know Brand new disease, is it you know, it's not it's like it is a bacterial in fact mm-hmm. infection, it is in the bladder. We know where it is. We know roughly what's going on.
0: What advice, Ella, would you give to others finding themselves in
2: this situation? Um, Well, I would say, you know, think about building your medical team as far as possible. You've you've got to get your GP on side because there's a lot they can do to help. And I know that some people get very frustrated with them when they're not being heard. But I have a great relationship with my GP now and, you know, we got past the kind of initial. Um, yes, you do. No, I don't <laughs> <laughs> pantomime. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, uh, you know, and, and so that's really important. I think you, you, you need to try to get to a specialist if you can. Um, now, there's not much available on the national health, but. The Harley Street clinic does have a national health arm called the LUTS clinic, the Lutz clinic, um, and that's in the Whittington Hospital. Great for people in England, not so great for people in Scotland and Northern Ireland. But there are consultant urologists I now discover that do treat um, with well, a will treat chronic bladder infection. They can't do the long term antibiotics, the oral antibiotics but at least it's a step and it's a step worth taking if you can find them mm. um and then i think you know you need to be thinking about how's my mental health you know badger your gp for mental health support if you need it um what can you do about your stress levels um everybody has different things to help them de-stress i cannot overestimate how overstate how how important meditation has been to me i don't know if i would be here if it wasn't for meditation Mm -hmm. it's been that important yeah um there's loads of free stuff online with that i i also read um i spend a lot of time reading inspirational autobiographies people that have come through really difficult illnesses all different sorts but you get to see people's coping strategies and they tend to have that sort of real inner determination of i am going to work this out and i am going to stick at things um so i think that can be really helpful building your wider social network and that can be difficult because you might have friends and family that are not able to cope well with you know the illness and i certainly have found some of that but you know everybody can Offer something and if they can't hear about it or talk about it, they might be able to offer you know practical support or support in different ways, so I think it's sort of. Coming to terms with how different individuals do respond to it and sort of. You know, accepting really what what each person has to offer and and I would say i've just got kind of three three real points that I kind of really want to say that real really helped me and one of them. I think is to take I take what I call the 10% approach, which is a sort of incremental view of healing where it's really easy to get into the mindset of I've got to get rid of this thing or my life is over. And that's just not a good approach to take when you're dealing with something that's lasting this long. So I try to think about like, well, what if I get 10% better? What would that look like? And maybe I can do that myself. Or maybe, you know, it's just going to you know I'll try this treatment and it won't cure it but it's just going to help me or there's a sort of method of pain relief that I haven't tried that's worth giving a go and I think I think the other big thing is never give up hope which seems obvious but I think people with this illness like need to be reminded like there is always hope for every single person that has this illness because it is curable it is treatable people do get better they yeah. quite often get better on antibiotics that is the most common way but anecdotally i've heard a lot of stories now people getting better just spontaneously or through some strange treatment that you would think well, i don't think that could possibly work and maybe it's just the last thing they did yeah that finally you know yes. kicked mm-hmm. it out. yeah um and you know people get better after years and years of being ill so That is always there for every single person. There is always hope. And I think it's worth nourishing hope. So getting involved in a bit of campaigning makes you feel like, yes, something's happening and you're doing things with other people. You feel less alone. And then checking in with the research and reminding yourself there is stuff going on. Things are changing. And then finally, I think there's a kind of, you know, balancing that hope because we all want to get better, but with a sort of acceptance of like, this is where it is right now. And how can I learn to live as well as I can with this going on, yeah. you know, and that's, you know, cause it is your one and only life. Mm. And, um, and there may be silver linings, you know, yeah. we don't think there will be, but you know, along the way, if you look out for them, there may be things that happen that just would not have happened
1: because sometimes as you say sometimes you have to, it's that acceptance isn't it that enables you to let go of certain aspects of your life or certain things that you thought would yeah. happen in your life and letting go doesn't as you say doesn't always it's not always a bad thing you might be able to see it but sometimes it leaves space doesn't it you move yeah. it again goes back to that boat you were talking about you take something out mm. there's maybe room for something else that you really didn't really didn't expect yeah and i'm it, glad to hear you say that there's people that it does you know without the antibiotics that it can so that's great to hear
2: yeah it's amazing i mean it is it's a very strange disease you know how it works and i think just just we don't really under, understand no. about it i think so, people some people that have had it for a really long time just feel like oh that's you know that's it now but it, it, it isn't So what's next for you ella Um, Well, I'm still I'm actually working on trying to figure out the the problematic side effects, and I I haven't given up on antibiotics, I think that. um, Another really important thing I learned from the Optima Health Clinic um, is that with long term illnesses, you know, the body's always changing so while a treatment or a medicine might not be appropriate or work at one time, it might work later so. I'm hoping to to figure out the side effects. My herbalist is helping me with with this at the moment. Um, I tentatively feel that we might have found something. So um, that's really exciting. And then I might be able to get back on the antibiotics. Again, I I think that I will. Um, I'm also going to see a pelvic floor specialist in the summer, so that's gonna be a 10% piece. She's promised me that all of her clients get an improvement in pain, and I am I am hoping to find a way to get back to work because I I need that in my life. Mm. I've I've got got skills, you know. I've got things yeah. I can do. Yeah. Um. I need to sort of have that sort of stability and connection. Yeah. Um. And you know, further down the line, it is my um, greatest hope to train as a meditation teacher, yeah. so that I can help people specifically suffering with this disease and um, other you know chronic pain conditions because I think it's you know it's such a powerful thing and it's been you know hugely important to me and I think having been through this experience I will understand what that means and how how it can help when I really 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 want to be able to do that what a great yeah. teacher you would be and even your without voice your yes. voice is so calming anyway yeah. i was gonna say you've
1: got the perfect
0: voice yeah, for it as definitely. well let alone and, all everything you've been through and
1: and even before you do the training to become a meditation teacher you've got so much i think that can help others just by you know a, a, you know some of the groups that you're in the forums mm. that you probably um, maybe help people with i think it's it's hugely helpful just to talk to others as you say it's that again it goes back to not being on your own and thinking you're the only one with this problem it comes back yeah. to hope and everything it does you've got so much to um offer uh other yeah. people that even just down to the things that you've tried you know we're, i try this try that and again we're all individuals yeah. um but yeah I, I i think yeah you'll be an amazing meditation teacher
2: oh thank you that's really kind you know we don't ask to have these experiences but they just come. They yeah. just, come and you know, there's people that are ill and suffering with the most horrendous illnesses all over the place, and it's like a kind of, it's like an invisible world. When you're well, you're almost not really yeah. aware but, of it, yeah. and then when you're ill, suddenly you think, "My word, this is, yeah. this is so hard." And there's people struggling, you know, and my compassion for people that are ill and struggling has grown so much, I suddenly understand what it means to, yeah. you know, be, you know, disabled in a variety of ways. That's a very lonely place, isn't it? Yeah. It can be, it can be. But it doesn't have to be, you know?
1: No, I think it sometimes it takes um for you to go through something to really understand that, doesn't it? And have yeah. that Compassion and understanding for for other people.
2: There's just one thing which I just I didn't I didn't because you were mentioning the support groups there. Yes. And support groups. The charities um, run the support mm-hmm. groups on Facebook,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: they are brilliant. You know I've learned so much, and there's all sorts of people coming in with all their experiences there. There's all all the kind of campaigning effort is also posted. There, So it can be a great place to go to to get support and not feel alone. However, I would just say a word of caution. It can be very triggering. So if you're in a place where your mental health is not feeling great, you need to be potentially quite careful on what you read because Mm -hmm. you have to bear in mind there's a lot of other very vulnerable people posting very difficult experiences on there. And I certainly found that it wasn't great for me to be reading about those when I al- also felt really vulnerable. Yeah. Some people seem that is okay for some people, but for me it wasn't. And I found that what I needed to do whenever I was gonna go onto the support group was to think very carefully about what it was that I was going to look for. And um, what was the book you mentioned from Professor? Uh, yeah, so that's it's written by um, Professor James Malone Lee, And it's called cystitis unmasked. If I had a copy handy, I'd hold it up for you. (laughs) It really kind of explains the whole, um, you know, all of his work because he dedicated his life to to understanding this condition. So he was a major pioneer. And all of his work underpins the, um, the treatment protocol at the Harley Street Clinic. So the NHS persist in calling it recurrent UTI so I get my UTI called a recurrent UTI and it makes me really angry it's like it never goes away I have this <laughs> all time. do you understand permanent all yeah <laughs> yeah Not no. if only yeah, yeah. yeah I'd yeah. be happy with recurring yeah, just, yeah yeah
0: some respite in between yeah Ella thank you so much for your time this morning and I think you've well would have helped a lot of people and you've got so much information out there so thank you Yes, thank you very much,
2: Ella. Okay, well, yeah, thank you so much for having me on.
0: Book Collective, so *Femina* by Janina Ramirez, Chapter One: The Movers and the Shakers. How have you got on, Jins?
1: I've I've loved it, but it's a bit—it's heavier than what we used to, aren't they? Very
0: heavy. It's
1: heavy in the history. It's heavy in the history, but which it was is brilliant, super
0: interesting. I,
1: it was really interesting, and I I feel with this chapter, she's sort of setting out a if you if you're not a historian. She's setting out what kind of England wasn't really England in the medieval times, was it? So she's setting out how it was, how you had kings of and queens of various counties, um, which ca- they are really. They are sort they, of yeah. Mer- Mercia, Wessex, um, um, Welsh, Welsh um, uh, and they, they sort of how they would sort of battle between between them. She's kind of setting that up and she moves from, um, it starts with um, Steve Sherlock, no, an yes. appropriate name. name yes, um, the arch- archeology archaeological detective. Um, I like the sound of that. Yeah, It'd be a great job, wouldn't mm. it? Um, and and his and his discovery, this discovery of the Loftus, well, princess, um, and um, he discovered this unassuming mound, didn't he? In, he did. In, in um the north and uh, sorry i say the north I north yorkshire moors that's right oh cleveland wasn't it red car and cleveland um and near the center um of, of what would have been buildings and including round houses um were systematically arranged 109 graves mm. um and the mound was um, in the The mound was ended up being. The, they called it Grave Forty Two, and yes. it was it was a woman. yes and it was
0: quite unusual. So they've and they've called her the Princess of Loftus because they actually have. she was buried in a bed, in a bed yes. with furs and everything, and it was very ornate. So they think so she, she must was, have been
1: important. Yeah,
0: some sort of warrior, very important person yeah. in
1: in their. Uh, Yes, they, and they talk about um, what she was sort of buried with. So, beads and scraps of metal, parts of eroded weapons, all suggested that these burials were not Iron Age, but more recent. These were early medieval, and more excitingly still, they seem to date from a period when this part of the north of England was undergoing an ideological revolution. They dated from the time when Christianity was putting its first roots down along the Northumbrian coastline. And it's quite an interesting chapter, Lou. I know you're going to mention it. We think of Christianity coming to this to country, but it's very fluid. Oh, and the Knights Templar, and you think
0: of all that I don't know, all the, all the men fighting for it and everything. But actually, there were some important women that came along um, to start Before to that. bring the message of Christianity over. So, we've mm. got a lady, a woman called Bertha, there was Clotilde, and there was Hild. Um, three w- important women that actually brought Christianity. Um, o- over and actually because I left my notes at home because that's well, how I was rolling today but it, it actually there's an actually part of it in here where the um, Archbishop of Canterbury wouldn't that wouldn't be such an important church or an important
1: position if it hadn't been
0: for yeah. Bertha yeah
1: so yeah, it, she was the queen wasn't she yes. she was the wife of um, of the king of Kent Um and you know I think this shows that although women were used as currency even at this point in history um that they were how important how important they were
0: yeah absolutely in society generally and they were listened to so the message that they
1: were bringing about christianity was actually listened to yeah and revered yeah and and um ramirez does this through um because we tend to think when the romans left all the writing this is why you know a lot of it's called the dark ages yeah. because the writing seemed to stop and people didn't know you know looking back on history it's not that nothing was happening it's just things weren't written down um but things were written down by a uh, bead and he that's how we know about Bertha and yes. uh, and these women isn't it like like Hild I really found interesting um the word illiterate she sort of explains, you know, now if we say illiterate today, we tend to think of someone maybe, um, you know, that's that's got a not as good education. Um, she, she writes here, and I'll quote, today, the word illiterate is associated with lack of education. But the methods of passing down information in the non-literal communities of early medieval England were incredibly sophisticated Individuals could recite poems from memory over the course of many hours, if not days. They had to retain information on on bloodlines, land possession, law codes, as well as vast body of stories, myths and history. To be illiterate was not to be ignorant, but rather to utilize more of the memory actively. It was Christianity that brought literacy and Latin to a people who had depended for three centuries on oral tradition and memory. It could be argued, I love this bit, it could be argued that with writing came complacency, bureaucracy and rigidity.
0: And what would they say now about mobile phones? And and talking about, you're thinking about. Good for
1: the brain. Absolutely, Keep it it's, it's working. It's almost like
0: that took me, that um, paragraph took me back to the red tent where the yes. women told the stories yes. and told their histories to, to the young girls that would get passed down. And that was it. That was the storytelling, wasn't yes. it?
1: Because, so important because if you write everything down, you don't have to keep it in your head, which no. I know he- might help in some ways, but it doesn't make us use our, our no, brains in that way. I found that fascinating. Um, and she she finishes this chapter, Lou, with with the words which I absolutely love. Um, While some women have not left their mark on the re- written record, their truth is still waiting to be discovered. Certainly. You is. just have to look a bit further because it's not Most all, definitely. While Bede wrote a lot, he, he didn't write an awful lot no. um, about women's stories.
0: And we had a great comment
1: from, from Aline as well, didn't we? Yes, we did, Lou. Um, yes, Aline told us um, she she liked the introduction. The introduction started the topic well. Um as a follower on from as a follow-on from Rebel Bodies, the women we're about to discover in femina are warriors. Finding their voice after centuries. Dis- Despite being systemically silenced, systematically sorry silenced, their work and achievements not worthy of being preserved and even erased by this femina labelling. Emily Wilding Davison and 1900s Joan of Arc. Oh, I've lost me other page. Whereas <clears throat> for our medieval medieval sisters, what it what is it that women most desire? The Canterbury Tales say it well: sex, money, land independence and fun I know and she says count me in for all of that and um, she's (coughs) looking forward to
0: exploring um, across Femina how our less known sisters across the medieval world accomplished this warriors isn't isn't it what we are for those of us on a mission to tackle the stigma and discriminatory lack of support around female midlife onset hypogonadism aka menopause I remain on a mission to get the proper terminology used, with recognition of what it is—a hormonal deficiency worth of support, like any other. And well, it is really,
1: yeah. All those warriors, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um. So, what are we reading next week? So next Luke? week we should be on the old chapter number two, decision makers. Decision makers, great. And let us let us know because there's a lot in that chapter, a lot more than we've just gone over Ooh, there. Yeah, but lots. It, it's it's um. It'll be really interesting to get your your thoughts. Foodie Collective and Gintz
0: has been baking. I have been baking.
1: What have you baked? I have made maple pecan biscuits. Mm. I had time and I thought these are so easy if you're not a baker. But you like a homemade biscuit. And what I liked about this recipe, Lou, most people have got all this or similar in their cupboards, so you may not have to go and buy stuff. Um, So, maple and pecan biscuits, this is from Nigella's How to Be a Domestic
2: Goddess.
1: (laughs) And um, this has, all all they've got in them is, um, of course I made a vegan version, so there's unsalted butter, uh, vegan version in mine, muscovado sugar, um, uh, I didn't have maple extract, so I used maple syrup. Um, which is not quite strong uh, flour and pecan halves, but you could put really any nut. Bit of almond, bit of almond. Yes, pecan always goes nice with maple. I haven't even offered. A look, no, she's just been uh, sat there on the chair. I am. I've have. just. I haven't even let her have some yet. Right. Um, <clears throat> so it they're so easy. Oh no, and, that, never, and they're sort of I not went, that.
0: Crunch. I went. I went to break it in front of the microphone for. You yeah, know. no, for effect. For effect didn't. No, they're soft. It didn't affect. Uh, they're quite soft. They're very nice,
1: though. Eh? Soft and crumbly, aren't they? Mm. Very nice, indeed. Mm, they're better. When you get a bit of pecan, have a bit of pecan with it on the top. I think top. they'd be all right as dunkers. I've run out of mm. tea, but
0: I think they'd be all right for dunking.
1: I dunked one yesterday, and they were perfect for dunking. Well, that's all that matters. <clears throat> I'm choking on it now. <clears throat> uh, Fantastic. So, mm, there we go. There that's we go. Our... The recipe will be on our show notes. It will. Mm. I'll tell you what I noticed about these. Look at the pecan. Mm. I don't know whether it's because we talk about vulvas a lot.
0: It does look like no, a vulva. It looks like, it
1: looks like mine. I don't know. Oh, oh Christ! does it look like a vulva? Oh, my vulva's on the floor. <laughs> 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 What's happened to me vulva? Yeah. Mm. Next time you see a pecan half, have a little look. Doesn't it, Lou?
0: You've got a funny shape
1: there going on, girl. If well, that's but, yours? Well, no, pecans, pecans. Pecans are pecan. different. I've got
0: a line going up. I've got two lines going up there.
1: She's she's bloody vulva shaming me now <laughs> she's vulva shaming me i told you she's telling me off <laughs> w i lou how did you get on with your tea i really week? enjoyed it this did week Did you?
0: because yeah. i could just sit around drinking tea yeah <laughs> and it was good tea i'm not a lover of green tea at all under any circumstance except for that circumstance where I quite enjoyed it.
1: Oh I'm and really it was, pleased. It was
0: great. I, I, I only drink um decaffeinated tea anyway. Um but that was a caffeinated one. But
1: yeah it was it was um it was caffeinated wasn't it? Well green tea yeah green tea is yeah. got a caffeine although it is a slightly different yeah. type isn't it but um but no good it was a lovely flavour wasn't it great flavour. I and don't put milk in it no, I didn't put milk in. Oh, You're no. supposed to. I
0: don't know.
1: No, no, you don't normally in green tea. Um, what I found, because it was a WI, again, it goes back to that kind of making a an effort for yourself. Because yeah. a WI, I really sort of mindfully drank it rather than just usually Gulked just it swigging it Yeah, no, I did. I did some
0: crochet when I was... Lovely, yeah, Dr. Zoe some would be proud of me. Oh,
1: she would. Bit of yeah. you time, Lou. Yeah. Bit of you time. Well, I've got a new one for this week, um, because of the, all the talk of crowns for something going on this week. Um, I don't, I can't remember what um, this week. One of our local seaside shops, Lou, were doing a challenge on Instagram. It was called the Bucket Hat oh, Challenge. Don't I know if you saw it. Saw it. it. Yeah. I saw it. So, f- uh, so your WI this week, <clears throat> and our WI this week, is to do any hat trick or trick with a hat. Or a crown, if you like. um, Post and tag us. We are going to be having a go. So you can fling a hat up in the air and try and catch it on your head. You can fling it and try and... get your partner to drop it from the stairs. Top of the stairs down to try and get it on your head. Yeah, that's a novel one. Where did that come from? (laughs) I don't know. But be careful. Don't fall down said stairs. No, no. Mm. Or you could throw a hat onto a hat stand. See if you could, you know, get it on there. Anyway... Can't think of any more, but have a little go. Have a little go with a hat trick, um, and look out for hat ours. Trick, I see what, you is, there, yeah. see what I did there. See what I did. Have a little go and look. Yeah, look out for ours on our Instagram page. And uh, yeah, the other ring, the other thing, just to uh, repeat what we said earlier. We are looking for next Wi to raise some money um, for the R uh, the M R E F uh, new charity. Uh, for menopause research so ideas please what will you pay money to see us do quote
0: Ginty, it's your turn. It is our quote of the week.
1: Right. So today, our quote is from Dr. Jess Taylor, psychologist and author of Sexy But Psycho, uncovering the psychiatric labeling of women and girls. Now, she gets a lot of trolling. We follow her online and she's brilliant. She gets a lot of trolling online, um, but she is committed to anti violence and anti hatred. And on a post this week, she said this quote Life is hard. People will goad you, mock you, and push you to behave like them, so they can feel better about their own abusive behaviors. You have so much power in never becoming like those who hurt you. Adding more harm to the world does nothing for anyone and nothing for you, no matter how hurt you are. Pacifism and nonviolence isn't a weakness. It is a strength. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. I thought so. It's so easy, especially online, to just do oh, the knee-jerk God. reaction, but be the better person. Absolutely. Well, what a
0: week
1: yeah. again. What a week. Lou's hanging on to this biscuit still, aren't you? I he? know, because if I put it in my <laughs> mouth, I'm
0: going to start choking <laughs> on me vulva pecan. <laughs> so we hope your tea's not gone cold and that you'll join us next Sunday for The Collective. We would love you to subscribe, favourite, and review our podcast. It really helps us spread the word. Please head over to our Instagram page, Womankind Collective, to leave comments or DM us with your thoughts, or watch us and our guests on our Womankind Collective YouTube channel. And lastly, you will find all the links, recipes, guest details, and our hashtag, Where's MyClinic campaign. The petition for a menopause clinic in Devon on the podcast show notes
1: fantastic roll a pecan biscuit oh, and a cup lovely. of tea that's
0: going in my mouth
2: now <laughs> <laughs>